Shabbat Shalom, everybody. How are you? Mazel Tov. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> I never thought in my rabbinic career that I'd be interested in ratings, but it's obviously come true. One of the challenging things that I never expected, one of them, when I decided to enter into the rabbinate was that I never quite understood that no moment from that moment would ever be the same again. Now, in fairness, my beloved teacher, who no longer is alive, but he warned me of this. And which, what I mean to say to you is, is that no matter where I go or what I do, I have a particular plague, and the plague is, is that I always have to think about what I'm going to say on the coming Shabbat. In other words, I could be traveling somewhere, something could be happening, and I ask myself, is there a sermon to be found in this? And the answer is, I hope so. So this past week, like I'm sure many of you, I was sitting in front of my TV set. Of course, there's nowhere else to go these days. And I tuned in on Thursday night to watch the final, with great relief, the final debate between the uh, candidates for the American presidency. And then I said to myself, indeed, I have found my sermon for Shabbat morning. It's not going to be what I hope is, not the obvious topic. I'm not going to dabble in politics. Although it is an interest, it's certainly something that I shouldn't be using the pulpit for that often. What I want to do is speak about something else. And it ties in, in fact, beautifully with the Torah portion for this morning. Usually, overwhelmingly, the Torah portion for this morning is known about the flood that engulfs the world and the ark that Noah is commanded to build and that the salvation that Noah brings to humanity as a result of Noah being chosen by God to be the remaining fragment of human existence by which all of the humanity will flow from. Why did this occur, we are told? Because of the violence on human upon human. But yet a few sentences later, we hear about the story of the Tower of Babel. We know a little bit about it. As children, I know we were often taught about it. But it pales often in treatment in comparison to the story of Noah, but wrongly so, I would say. If Steven Pinker is to be believed, Steven Pinker is an uh, anthropologist, sociologist at Yale University. He's written many books, not the least of which his most highly read and most renowned is called Our, Our Better Angels. And Pinker's underlying thesis is, is that over the course of successive generations, and by this I mean centuries and millennia of human existence, that our life has gotten increasingly better, increasingly peaceful, and safer. I know it seems strange to say that because our news is suffused with violence. But if you would look back at the death records from even 100 or 200 years ago, you would realize that we live in a world that is far safer than our grandparents could have ever imagined. The story of Babel, of course, is not the story of violence. What does it tell us about the story of Babel? That after the flood, human beings all gather and they build a tower we are told that they all are that these people all share the same language and they all have a common philosophy. They all believe the same thing. 
and they build this tower that they hope that will reach the sky. God sees this, and what does God do? He strikes them with the plague. And the plague is, is that he throws each of them a language that the other does not understand, thus rendering their ability to build this tower impossible. And they scatter all throughout the world. Indeed, that this is a foundational myth that explains, it's a myth, why there are different languages. But it also explains something else. It's called the Tower of Babel, or in Hebrew, Migdal Bavel, because the word to not to babble along in Hebrew is Lebabel. When people or children babble, that's where the word comes from. In other words, they're talking incoherently in a way that I can't understand. And one of Israel's greatest theologians, the late Yishayo Leibovitch, famously commented on this story by saying, what was the crime of the people that built the tower? I mean, what's so wrong about people getting along with each other? What's so wrong with people cooperating on a project of national destiny? Infrastructure. What's so wrong about that? Why does the Torah give treatment to the story? And the hint is in the words. It wasn't bad that they were all speaking the same language. What was wrong is that they were udvarim machadim. Is that there was no room for dissension. Everyone had to be doing the same thing all the time. Everyone had to speak the same language, believe the same things, do the same things. Now, we know what materialism is, correct? Materialism is when a person believes that the things that they own define them. That's the definition of materialism. But I would say to you that materialism is not just the belief that the things that we own define us, materialism is also believing that the things that we believe define us. Not just material things become materialism, but ideas can also become materialistic, where you define people and yourself by what you believe and by what they believe. To listen to the debate on Thursday night, and even worse, in truth, you have the patience and the forbearance to listen to the commentary after the debate. It is to be sucked in at times into a wind tunnel that if you believe one thing and the, a person believes the other thing, that the people who don't believe what you believe are the people that are going to destroy your world. And you hear it on both sides of the equation. You hear it on the right with calls that if Joe Biden gets elected, America is going to be destroyed. It's going to be turned into a socialist country. I don't really know what's so bad about socialism, actually. There's some good things about it. But anyway, it'll be a socialist country. And on the other hand, of course, when the left speaks, there is also a totalitarianism of ideas and intolerance. It's an all or nothing game. One of the things that we learned from in the story of the Tower of Babel was distilled later on by the ancient rabbis. The ancient rabbis imagined this situation. They have 
a blessing for every circumstance in human life. Jack, for your bar mitzvah, we had a blessing. On Shabbat evening, we have blessings. Before you put a piece of fruit in your mouth, we have a blessing. Before you eat bread, we have a blessing. When you got married, there are blessings. There is a blessing for every circumstance in human life. And the ancient rabbis imagined, what would be the blessing that someone would recite? if they would see a massive gathering of human beings. And they said the blessing would be this. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who creates humans and that we all are different from each other. Bill Bryson in his book, he's a wonderful writer if you've ever read any of his works, Bill Bryson, in one of his books called The Body, comments by saying that every human alive shares 99.2% of all the same DNA. In other words, the only thing that makes me different from you, or you, or you, and vice versa, is eight-tenths of a percent of our DNA. More than 99% of all of our DNA is exactly the same. Which is to say that no matter how much the same we are, on some level God wants all of us to be different. We're not meant to be carbon copies of each other. In the famous words of the philosopher Martin Buber, he said, if you are you, but I am not I, then who will ever be me? Each of us was sent onto this world specifically, deliberately, with our look, appearance, attitudes, beliefs, feelings. And we're meant to live that destiny in the best, kindest, clearest, most loving way that we can. In the midst of all the rancor about belief and attitude, politics and ideologies, the most overarching ideology must always be Never to think that it's your job to make other people believe what you believe. Except one rule, which the Israeli author Amos Oz famously said, it's the 11th commandment. The 11th commandment is, according to Amos Oz, lo tachiv, which means cause no pain. One last idea I want to share with you, and it's straight from the headlines as well both in Israel and in North America, we see, I'm only going to speak to the Jewish circumstance. It's in other areas as well. But we see that in the ultra-Orthodox community, there has been a rampant disregard in some areas of the ultra-Orthodox community for the health guidelines. Massive gatherings, not wearing masks, so forth and so on. The belief, of course, embedded within their theology is the idea that God will save them. That if they're going to do a wedding, which is celebrating a mitzvah, that no harm will come to them. If they go to their schools and they study Torah, that there is no way that God would permit harm to come from them. Of course, the answer against that couldn't be clearer. Because when the commandment of the flood comes forth, what does God ask Noah to do? Build an ark. God doesn't build the ark for Noah. He has to build it for himself. Our commandment, first and foremost, is guard your life.
care for your health above all else. So everyone, please be safe. Be healthy. And when you see others not doing so, remind them of the, of the mitzvah above all other mitzvot. Ushmartem et nafshotechem. Take care with your life because there is no greater gift. Shabbat shalom and mazel tov.